Welcome to the Thrive Today podcast. I'm Natalie Bourne. I'm the media host for Thrive Today and also the founder of Innovation Meets Leadership. Our primary focus at Thrive Today is helping you to identify the authority of the scripture of God's word and connecting it to the relevance of your nine to five. Today, we are speaking with Holly Mattingly. After a 25-year career at the Coca-Cola Company, Holly's next chapter focuses on sharing her business acumen and strategic thought leadership and people development skills through consulting and coaching, which I absolutely love. And Holly is passionate about developing others and helping them become successful in their work. Welcome to the podcast, Holly. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This topic is something that is passion for me and definitely part of my purpose. When I left Coke, one of the things that I did was wrote my personal plan and realized my mission statement is really to build the next generation of Christian leaders in the marketplace. So I'm so excited to have this opportunity on Thrive today to share some of that with you. That is so powerful. I love your purpose statement there. And you had the opportunity to write in the very first kind of premiere edition of Thrive Today. And you wrote this amazing article called Better Together. It's this phenomenal interview with you. And I just love some of the things that you said in this article. So I want to take what you wrote and just like go 20 levels deeper. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, the first thing you talk about is how one of the things that I kind of plucked out of this is how women are more likely to experience imposter syndrome. I would love to not only talk about why that is, but then I would love to talk about some of the things that you've done in your own career and your own life to really move through that and overcome that syndrome, so to speak. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't really know why women tend to experience imposter syndrome more. I just, maybe it's because it took us longer to find our leadership voice in the workplace. And so we're not as comfortable there. But I would say that when we do experience it, which I think we all have, I know I have, I really want to ask myself the why. And what it comes down to is usually the things that I'm feeling that I shouldn't have the seat at the table. I don't have the skill set. I don't deserve this. Usually that comes down to I am putting the performance pressure on me instead of giving God control. And when I can kind of step back and say to myself, why am I having this anxiety? Why am I having these feelings? And realize it's because I'm trying to be in control of my life instead of letting God be in control of my life. I can do a quick recenter and kind of diminish those imposter syndrome feelings. So I think there's a big spiritual component to that, that in this imposter syndrome. Wow. I don't know. I mean, that's so good. And, you know, if you're saying that, I think about the, so we had Amy Balog who talks about peace over performance on the podcast as well. And she kind of leaned into the exact same thing you're saying, obviously a little bit different words, but there is something real here for us as women. When we think about who we show up as versus what pressure and expectations we're putting on ourselves. Yeah, I definitely had a period of time in 2017 where work was crazy for me and it was incredibly stressful. But at that moment, I was so deep in my faith walk that I felt peace, even though there was chaos all around me. I just had this peace because literally when I walked through the office doors every day, I would just say it's for your glory. And like, it isn't on me at all. The outcome of what happens really doesn't matter. It's how I show up every day as a disciple in the workplace. Wow. 
And that's so hard for us to do because oftentimes I find, especially you have a a strong background in corporate world, so do I. Oftentimes I find that there's not really any examples around you of people who walk in this piece. There's so many people walking in a performance mentality. And then we start getting into competition because of that performance mentality. And then you're kind of swept away and you find yourself being not the person you feel called to be. Right. It's a daily surrender, right? And that's when we start getting in that performance culture that our peers are operating in. That's when the imposter syndrome starts to sneak in because we're getting caught up in the performance piece. And so just that daily surrender of giving the day to God every day, I think is so important. Well, another cool thing that I love you talk about in this article is failing forward. And everyone knows my favorite phrase is fail fast, fail cheap and fail often. Yes. So (laughs) I love that you fail forward. Talk a little bit about that and what that's looked like in your career. Yes. I love cultures that allow you to fail forward, take calculated risks, make some mistakes, learn from them, those mistakes, and then move forward with those learnings. And so I think as yourself, I hope that you're in a place where you can take those risks and fail forward and feel comfortable with it and not make it an internal issue. It was just a situation where you guys had the best facts you had at the moment to make a decision and it didn't work out. So if you can take the personal part about it and more a learning behavior in failure, I think that is very helpful. As a leader, I think we really need to demonstrate failing forward for the people who are around us to create a safe culture, a safe place for people to take calculated risk. Otherwise, you're not going to get the best ideas. You're not going to get innovation. Everyone's going to check the box status quo versus feeling like they can take some calculated risk. So I had an amazing leader who would tell me, she's like, I'm not going to give you a speeding ticket. I'm just not. Go. Take the risk. And so as long as they're smart and calculated and not outrageous. I love the idea that we can work in places where we can fail forward. And if you're in a position of influence where you can drive that culture, I hope that you're doing that for the team around you. That's so funny. I had I used to tell my team, I'd rather give you a speeding ticket than a parking ticket, but I like what you said. <laughs> better. Uh, but it was that idea of like speed, go. And I think, you know, the other thing that you said that I think is just so, so impactful and, and so powerful is this idea of how failing should trigger learning. And I think that's something that a lot of organizations don't do well. And so what ends up happening is the failure is just a failure and we don't ever learn from it. But if failure triggers learning, then you can make everybody around you better if we're willing to kind of pull that failure out into the middle of the floor, paint it red, talk about it, dissect it, understand it and get better. And that's so hard for some people to do if you're operating out of performance, because that performance says, I have to be perfect. I have to live from a place of perfectionism almost. Right. One of the things that I often say is let's test and learn. Like it almost gives you permission for the outcome to not be okay. We're just testing and learning. So I use that language a lot when we're moving into new spaces of let's test and learn. Let's do something small to your point, fast and cheap, right? Let's not go make a five-year plan around something that we don't know if it really works or not. But let's let's do some test and learn, and then we'll grow it from there. That's powerful. And having a leader that believes in you and backs you in that, I think is an important part of that journey as well. Part of what allows you to test and learn is having good leaders that support your testing and learning. And so something I tell people all the time is, is choose a leader, not a job. 
you know, it will make or break your skill set, your leadership ability, your ability to innovate. Choosing a leader that trusts you, empowers you, believes in you, and pushes you is the best way to become who God's called you to be. And sometimes when we choose the job over the leader, we're like, why am I so miserable? And it's like, well, probably your values are being pressed on somewhere and you know, you're not being freed up or empowered to do what you're called to do. Yeah. I think with leaders, it's one of those things in corporate America, both of us having this experience where people get promoted into jobs because they're good at the work, but they don't actually have people leadership skills. So I would say to those people who are on the cusp of that, who are, or or who are in people leadership roles, go learn. It's a learned skill to be a good people leader. And you will, like you said, you will attract talent because people want to work for a good leader. And so I really think that's important to continue to develop your people leadership skills. And as you move from a working leader to a leader of leaders, right, you need to continue to invest in those skills. So let's switch gears for a second. And I want to ask this question. If somebody is listening to this and they're kind of in that prime of their career, they're going, they're, you know, firing on all cylinders. And you kind of can see from the outside looking in, the boundaries are not really there. Maybe they even know they're aware, like, okay, something's off. But how do I start to implement those in my life? I'm going to pull this thing you said in the article out. Oh, okay. (laughs) um, Because I loved it. It was so good. You said, I love this. I wish everybody would use this language. You said, that's not in my top five priorities. If I'm going to work on this, what would you like to come off my plate? Talk a little bit more about how you arrived to that language in your career. Yeah. Well, again, I think this is more common for women, just like the imposter syndrome piece. We have a hard time saying no. We feel like we have to keep taking on whatever it's asked of us, but we don't put that boundary in place to say, okay, well, what's going to come off my plate if you want me to do this? And then all of a sudden we find ourselves completely out of balance. We're working too many hours. We're torn between should we be, you know, being a good mom, being a good employee, and we're actually not doing either very well. And so, yeah, I just somewhere along my career, as things keep piling on my plate, and I realize this isn't, this isn't sustainable, and it shouldn't be expected of me. And a male counterpart would just say no. And so I'm not so bold as to just get say, no, I'm not going to do it, but I'll have the conversation about which of these things is the most important and almost enlist my leader in the conversation and the accountability of what is coming off my plate. And then they can provide that air cover for me as well. When someone else is asking and said, oh, we had to deprioritize that because we don't have the bandwidth to do that. That is powerful language. I'm enlisting my leader in the conversation. And that's a big, I think, point of tension is oftentimes we're sitting there with the stack saying, well, it's this and it's that. And and I don't, I don't know how to cover all this. And so we spend so much time spinning our wheels and staying up at late at night, just trying to put our arms around all of it versus stepping back and saying, this is not a sustainable pace. And if I want to burn on instead of burn out, I need to stop the line and say, what has to change? And I just think about Lucy in like, for those of you who've seen like that 1950s sitcom, I love Lucy, where she's <laughs> in like that chocolate factory, to, like wrap the chocolate. And then she just starts shoving it in her mouth and throwing it down her shirt and put it in her hat. And, and that's so often what we do, I think, as ladies, as women, we 
just try to figure out how to get our arms around it all. And we become like that. So they come in, they look at it and they say, oh, she's doing just fine. Speed it up. And then you're like, okay, you know, it's complete chaos now. And so I love just the language that you use of saying, hey, this is not a top priority. These are my priorities. What's coming off the list? That's powerful. So that leads me into this idea of stress, right? How can women manage some of the stress that they're under as they're building their career and being a mom and, you know, probably leading in the church and all these other places? There's a lot that comes on us. There's a lot of expectation we carry. What are some of the ways you found that have been effective in just lowering the stress level so that you can lead for high levels for long periods of time. Right. I'm certainly not an expert in this. I fail regularly. And I told you that in preparing for this, it was an opportunity for me to even recenter and walk the talk, right? So (laughs) I would say the biggest thing for me is to spend time in the word every morning. When I find myself reading truth every morning, it sets the tone for the whole day. And what I realize is whatever problem is coming at me is really not that important. My purpose here on earth is to share the gospel and my workplace is a means of doing that. And so the problems there are just tools on that journey to show up and be the salt and light. And so if you can reframe by being in the word, you can reframe the priority, but I have to do it every day. And that's kind of when I'm at my best. When I carve out time every morning, it sets the tone for my day and reminds me what is most important and what is not important. So that's the first thing. And then I think the other thing I know I've done at times and I've seen plenty of other women do is we take care of ourselves last, right? We take care of our work. We take care of our kids. We take care of our spouse. And then we find ourselves in a place where we've gained weight or we don't feel healthy and we start feeling badly about ourselves because we've put ourselves last. And so I would tell every woman to carve out 30 minutes of the day for themselves, whether that's to go for a walk, a run, to meditate, to do yoga, whatever that is for you, but to make sure that you are finding time for yourself so that you feel good about yourself and can show up as your best self for everyone you love. Wow. You said so many truth bombs there. (laughs) Some of the ones that were standing out to me is, is will this problem, you know, the problem that's coming out to me at me, does it really matter? And I think, you know, I love that. And I love even framing it this way saying, you know, will this matter in five years? And a lot of the things that we are like raising our blood pressure over and getting really annoyed about, you know, just framing that, will this matter in a year? Will it matter in five years? I think it just stops us in our tracks and says, oh, you know what? Hold on. Let me take it down a notch. Let me not get so excited or worked up over this situation. The other thing that you called out there as you were talking is just the, I love that like 30 minute rule. I'm going to call it that 30 minute rule because it's giving yourself back something. And then I hope that over time that becomes 45 minutes and maybe it becomes an hour because to be your best self and to lead at the highest levels for long periods of time, if you're not reinvesting back into yourself. And I can tell you this from personal experience, that can't sustain long-term. It can't. And so you can only do that so long. You can probably do it 10 years and you might even be able to do it 15, but eventually it catches up to you. And that, and that's not a good thing. And so just being able to slow down daily and say, the investment I'm making my, in myself today is going to help me last 
help me lead for the long term. Right. I think as women, like we might have good intentions and we put a 30 minute window on our calendar every day for ourselves, but then we just let people come in and take that time from us and we deprioritize it. So I would challenge all of us to say no when someone wants to put something on top of that 30 minutes to say no and have the boundary. Otherwise, the intention never really comes to fruition. That's so good. That's that no. I want us to just, if, hey, listeners, I just want you to practice it with us right now. Just say it with us. We're going to count to three and we're all just going to say no. You ready? (laughs) One, (laughs) two, three. No. Like that no. Oh my gosh. So freeing. That's going to free you from so much heartache and headache. That no. Oh my gosh. Holly, any final thoughts that you'd want to share for our listeners today? Yeah, I think the thing that I always am reminding myself when I'm not doing it well, when I find a day that I'm not really doing it well, that sanctification is a process. It is a lifelong process. And we're going to have days where we're wandering away from God or days that we just don't show up as our best self. But I hope we can all take a minute and step back and reflect on the longer journey of life. And I certainly know that the person I am today is very different than the person I was five years ago, which is very different than the person that I was 10 years ago. So even though in the day to day, I know I'm not getting it right. When I look at the total body of my work, I know that God is working. He is. And it's kind of exciting to think what 15 years from now will look like. So um, I just want everyone to take a step back and reflect on the big picture. I love that. Now I have a Coca-Cola question for you. Okay. Okay. My understanding is you, you know, you kind of worked on the freestyle machine, which means that you are fully aware of the product that they have when you go to the world of Coke in Atlanta here, um, (laughs) the the Beverly, right? That's what you're going to (laughs) say. Oh man, it was always so fun to take people there and be like, this is so good and pour them a big drink and hand it to them. And we all know it tastes awful if you've ever experienced it. It's total bittery taste. Yeah. But it sells somewhere, right? I think it's Italy. I don't know what they use it for, if it's a mixer or I don't know. But yes, it does have a market somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) But it's funny that you know that everyone who's been the world of Coke's now in on that joke. (laughs) Yes, it's it's my favorite thing to do too, to be like, hey, try this one. (laughs) They're like, what is that? So now every, all of our listeners you know, whether you're here in Atlanta, go to the world of Coke. If you're not, when you come to visit Atlanta, you have to go to world of Coke and check out the Beverly because it's, it's unforgettable is the best. (laughs) That's a great word. (laughs) That's the perfect word. It is unforgettable. (laughs) Well, Holly, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you listeners. Well, thank you guys for joining us for the Thrive Today podcast. Be sure to share and follow and subscribe on all of your social media platforms and tell other women about this leadership podcast. You can follow Holly on LinkedIn. So go check her out there. And as you build your life, establish a legacy of leadership, community, and strength. We'll see you next time.